Welcome to the new sound of online radio. Welcome to the sound of Universal Broadcasting Network. do we have a great show for you today. Thank you, everybody, for who's been texting and emailing and hitting us up on Twitter and Facebook and on UBN, letting us know that this is one of those subjects you really, really need to hear about. Um, we are into the fifth month of the year, and stress has already taken its toll on so many people. But before we get to that, I hope everybody had a wonderful Mother's Day. I know I did. John, what'd you do for your mom? Okay, John's not there. Lynn, are you there? I sure am. Okay, we'll find John in a minute. Because he, he's got us both connected. But anyway, um, how was your Mother's Day, Lynn? I was blessed because I got to spend time with my grandson and my daughter, and the sun was shining, and it was just a lovely day. Absolutely. Speaking of grandson, um, my grandson is two years old today. So that's like a woo for us because um, two years ago. And didn't the time fly by fast? I'm afraid it did. I'm afraid it did. And they grow and they're so amazing. And you look at them and you just are so thankful that, um, you know, your children are producing and your children are being the kind of parent that you were to them. So um, I know my precious little Kai, he's two today. His name is Kai Anthony Faison, and he's two years old today. And, oh, we're excited. We're excited. We're excited. We're excited because, um, you know, two years ago, the doctor said that he wouldn't make it. And um, oh, so my. we know who's in charge. We know who's in charge. And it sure wasn't the doctor. And don't get me wrong. I love doctors. Some of them are my best friends. Some of them are in my family. But so thankful. Oh. 
<laughs> that uh, someone was around to override them, and his name is God. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we're enjoying our little precious little lamb, and talk about stress. Whoo! That was a stressful period in the whole family's life, but thank goodness, you know, we made it through and we're able to be an awesome testimony and witness to other people. But I want to tell our, our listening audience um, a little bit about Lynn and Lynn is like family. She's been with us and then she and I keep up with each other uh, during the year. And we had so much fun with her last year. You, some of you may have remembered in October that we asked her, we asked her to come back again and she said yes so she's here with us today we're glad to have her and i want her to share with you our listeners the little opening that she gave us about her uh, encounter with a 14 year old and um it's all got her started on the the road that she's on now so lynn if you have a moment would you share that with our listeners exactly what happened take your time paint a picture, and make us feel like we were there. Okay, well, thanks, Loria, because it was, you know, I was standing literally three feet from a 14-year-old boy whose name was Fred, and in this moment, I could not have told you anything about how Fred looked or sounded, because the only thing I could see is that Fred was holding in his right hand what I thought for sure was the world's largest machete. Mm, And he had just said to me, you try to call for help, I'm going to cut you. Mm. you know, and I was the only adult in a boy's group home. Mm. And Fred had run away a couple of days ago, and now he was back. And he knew that he couldn't just walk back into the cottage, that he needed to go talk to people in the intake department. Mm-hmm. So me, you know, thinking it's my job as a leader to tell people what to do, I turned to Fred and said, you have to go to intake. And he said, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to my room. And I said, but Fred, you know, it's the, it's the rule. Just go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I, you know, I had turned around to, to, go to, to go to the phone, to call for backup, to have somebody come here and be with the other boys while I work with Fred to get him to intake. And that's when he pulled this knife on me. Mm. And back in the hallway behind Fred, there were other boys who were in my care. And they're literally fizzing with energy because Fred might kill me. Wow. And there's one kid who even says, Fred, my man, going to cut staff to the bone. Wow. <laughs> and you know, and I, I reached to pick up the phone, and it was at that point that Fred brought the knife down and chopped the phone cord. Oh. And, it, and I, had, I have lost my mind. And I, so I'm trying to figure out what to do. And mm-hmm. I'm just, so I start to babble. But, but Fred, Fred, you don't want to hurt me. You, you like me. Mm-hmm, and there mm-hmm. is nothing in how Fred is looking at me in that moment that's t- saying that he agrees with anything that I'm saying. Wow. So I, all I can do is just keep babbling. So I say, but, but Fred, you don't want to get into the world of hurt you're going to get into if you hurt mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's at that moment that I see him blink. Oh. And he, and he told me later that at that moment i've you know i've been i've been talking about myself you know you don't want to hurt me and right, you right. got to do go to intake and fred had been exposed to people his entire life telling him what to do and he mm. was tired of people telling him what to do so i had finally said something to him about him and what would happen to him mm-hmm. if he cut me and he said later that he kind of looked into his future and saw that the police would come and they would drag his butt off to juvenile hall wow. and they would lock him up 
yeah. and that none of us would be his friends anymore and none of us would be there to help him. Wow. You know, so that wow. was what was going on inside of him. And mm-hmm. that happened just because instead of talking about myself, I started paying attention to what he needed. Awesome. So all I saw was the blink. And it was at that moment that I said to him, Fred, make it easy on yourself and just hand me the knife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I put my hand out. And I had no clue what Fred was going to do. Right, And I right. was scared to death that he was going to bring down that knife and cut my hand. Mm. But I knew I had to keep it out there. I had to let Fred know I thought he was a good kid and um, give him the chance to act like one. Right. But, but, Lynn, how many of us in stressful situations can come up with those kinds of statements like you? I mean, what does that take? I know that you, uh, you, I don't know if they prepare you for that when they, when they were teaching you to be a counselor, because I know that was a previous position you were in. Did they ever give you those what-if scenarios? No, I was wildly underprepared for those. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and I, frankly, I just got lucky. Yeah. Because, as I said, before this moment happened, I thought it was my job to tell these kids what to do uh-huh. and to make sure that they did it. And, right. you know, and so I was just some, you know, some, as I said, one other person telling this kid what to do. Right. And part of what I knew about Fred is that he had a horrendous home life and that his mother happened to be schizophrenic and he had run away and gone home to spend the weekend with her. Mm-hmm. And she, it was one of those things where Fred would be inside and watch, watching television, and she would tell him, you know, go outside and play. And he would be oh. outside, and she would holler at him for not being inside. Okay. And there was nothing that he could do to satisfy her, in part just because okay. of, of her own situation. It was, right. was going on in her own head. And at one point, when he was home, he found this machete in a closet. Wow. And he took the machete, you know, in part to make sure that his mother wouldn't use it on him. Oh. You know, and in part to defend himself if she came after him. So that was the kind of life that he was living. Wow. So yet another person saying, do this, don't do that, you know, conjured up visions of him. Sure, of his mother, sure. Absolutely. Somebody who could never be pleased. Right. So, so the other thing is, poor little Fred was always in a stressful situation. Right. He was awful, always in stress, whether whether he was at the camp with the people who he was hoping cared about him or whether he was with his mom. Right. Well, I want to tell our, our um, listeners that this story is one reason that Lynn is qualified to write her book, which is called Getting Others to Do What You Want. That, to me, is one of the most important aspects when we are in a stressful situation. The key is how to get out of the stress. What do we need to do to get out of the stress? How do we keep ourselves from becoming so stressful? How do we identify stressors? Because something stressed Fred out for even leaving for those few days. Right. And even though he knew when he came back that there was something, you know, connected, like there was rules and regulations that he would have to follow, he didn't want to follow one because he already knew he was in trouble. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't know. Right. But you were able to handle that. And your book came from that, Lynn. Your book came from that. Let's talk about that. You know, and, and for me, the, it's, it's true. I just winged it the entire <laughs> time. And I got darn lucky. 
<laughs> yeah, on, you did. Yeah, I sure did, because on one level, I kind of knew Fred really, given the choice, didn't want to hurt me. Okay. But Fred needed somebody to stop and pay attention to him. And if it took a knife in his mind to do that, then that was what Mm -hmm. he was willing to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so part of the whole idea about being, so I studied, I started studying persuasion. What was it that, that worked with Fred? And it was only later I was able to figure this stuff out. And frankly, by talking with him. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it became, how do you, persuasion is not about manipulation or making people do things that they don't want to do. It's about understanding who people are and, and speaking with them in a language that they can understand, which is Mm. once again, what I just lucked into here. Right. And then figuring out what's the best way to do something together. How can something that I want be something that they want too? Right. You know, so many people think it's manipulation. But I, you know, I don't think, I think when we're manipulating people, they're doing what you want them to do, not what they want to do. And so when we have a manipulated situation, I don't think it lasts very long. Well, you know, and it certainly builds up resentment, doesn't it? Yes. How many times have we been in a store or in some kind of situation where a salesperson comes up to us and it's, and we feel like they're trying to trying to sell us something we don't want. Right, right. Key. You know, and it's and that's not what sales should be. And when I talk about sales, I say when you, you when you have something to sell, when you have a product or a service, you have a gift because mm-hmm. nobody can do this in quite the way you do. Right, right. And because you have a gift, you have a responsibility, and it's your responsibility to present information about your gift in a way that's easy for people to understand. Right. And that way they can make a good choice about whether or not they want to work with you. Right. And by being persuasive then and paying attention to what their needs are, you can see, yes, it would be a good idea for us to work together. How do I make that easy for you? Or the other times, no, I'm not a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. And you need to say no and go away and create space for somebody else that, you know, who really needs my gift. Absolutely. You know, um, and then maybe you can um, speak to this. Sometimes people feel guilty with the no. How do we get away from that? How do we get away from that? And, you know, and part of it is, particularly for us as women, I think, we're taught that we, we need to be focused on other people. And mm-hmm. this, is, this is another thing Nurturing, that brings up yes. stress for us. Right. You know, we need to help other people get what they want, and we need to put ourselves second and put our families first. Right. And, and, and so we don't say no because we think that's what we as good people are supposed to do. <laughs> right, right. And it's, the funny thing is that the more we give to everybody else and the more we feel depleted, mm-hmm. the less we actually have to give to them. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, that's true. So when it's yeah, so when it's time to say no, and usually we say no for a good reason, or we want to say no for a good reason, not just mm-hmm. because we're feeling ornery on a particular day, right? But when it's time for us to say no, part of it is we say no because that's the right answer for that person as well. Right. We should not be doing this particular thing for for our children or for the people at the office. Mm-hmm. It's not a good idea. And when we say no, what we do is we get to hang on to the energy that we would be putting out 
doing something that we shouldn't be doing. Right. And right. then we still have that energy then to devote more to our family and to our coworkers because we aren't robbed of it by doing stuff we have no business doing. But, you know, Lynn, you make it so clear, and it is clear for me and maybe for some of our listeners, but how do we get to that point? You know, I, I talk to people all the time who feel like they have to say yes or they find themselves in uh, compromising positions or, you know, they'll talk about what happened at work and there's something that they didn't want to do, but they had to do to save face or make a, a boss like them. And even the boss probably doesn't even like them for, for that reason. But how do we get to be our own person? I'm going to use your line. It says, um, how do I become the most persuasive person in the room and not be the most persuaded person? Uh-huh. That's you know, let, let's talk about that just a little bit before we go into um, some of the stressors that uh, we talked about earlier. You know, and, and here's, for me, here's the lesson. Okay. Because although I've not had trouble saying no to people in general, I've had trouble doing other things. Okay. <laughs> so, you, know, you know, close enough. And, and the biggest lesson and the toughest lesson and the most important lesson I had to learn about this was to care enough about myself uh-huh. to do the things that are good for me. Because when I do those things for me, then I have more energy and more skill and more talent to do the things I really ought to be doing for other people. Right. The old line is, when you're on the plane, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first. That's important. That's important. Yeah, and it's a really hard thing to do because a lot of times the messages we get, particularly as women from society, is you're only as good as the last good thing you did for somebody else. Mm. Wow, say that again. You're only as good as the last good thing you did for somebody else. Wow. And, and when we feel that way, what we end up doing is looking to the outside world to tell us that we're okay. Right. And there are some people who will tell us we're okay because they love us and care about us. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of people who won't tell us that we're okay, even when we are, which means we, <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, we, we give up our, a big part of who we are and our identity of ourselves to other people who, frankly, might not be all that reliable and exactly. certainly may not have our best interests at heart. I, you know what, is there, any, and I know everybody's different, but is there, are there any cues for that? Like, you know, I remember reading a long time ago when Maya Angelou said, when, if someone shows you that they don't care about you, believe them. One of the many wise things she said. Right. Don't go back and try to change their mind about, um, oh, maybe they, maybe because they don't really know who I am. Let me go back in here and see. No, believe them. Believe them the first time. Right. It doesn't make me a, a lesser person if that person doesn't care about me. It's really mm-hmm. okay. I don't know why in, in our, um, nation why there's there's such insecurity you know for people who can get up and dress themselves and drive themselves where they want to go and choose things on a menu and you know um pick out their own clothes but then there's so there's so much insecurity when they get around people and i do know that some of it comes from stress and if they don't know where the stress is coming from they don't know how to attack it or mm-hmm. get rid of it you know, we're adults in so many ways, and then we are just 
two-year-olds, like your grandson, uh, trying to that, figure that, everything that's out. Right. That's right. That's right. And so I don't know, um, I know we're going to talk about it, but I hear all the time when people are talking about stress or the you know challenges they're facing, and, you know, your stress is, may not be mine. You know, right. you know, some people say, oh, I could never talk in front of people. For me, the more the merrier. Right. It could be 10 or it could be 10,000 or 10 million. It doesn't matter to me. I could, and I don't understand why people would get nervous about that. And then somebody, for me, it, you know, it's just something else that might be a stressor where somebody doesn't, um, and it doesn't affect another person. So it's okay if we have these challenges we just need to know, I think, and then, you know, you help me, what, what the origin of them are. You know, we were talking at the top of the hour about some stressors that you found out about. Is this a good time to kind of talk about those? I, I think so. Okay. Because I, I did a little research and discovered there's something called the Holmes Raw Scale. And okay. what these two people have done is they've done research on what are the biggest issues that cause stress for people that ultimately can actually make them sick. Mm. And they came up with, a, with two top ten lists, one for adults and one for younger people. Okay. So let me start with the, the one for adults, and number ten is retirement. Oh, wow. Number nine is marital reconciliation. Okay. okay. Eight is being dismissed from work. Mm-hmm. Seven is getting married. Really? Yeah. And six <laughs> is a personal injury or illness. Okay. Five is the death of a close family member. Mm-hmm. Four is imprisonment. Mm. Three is being separated in your marriage. Mm. Two is divorce. And one is to have your spouse die. Oh, wow. You know, and on a scale of one to, zero to 100, the death of the spouse is at 100. Okay. So wow. if that's the list for older people, that the things right. that cause them stress and are most likely to turn into illness, mm-hmm. then for younger people, you know, number 10 is change in acceptance by your peers. So people loved you yesterday and they hate you today. Into today, yeah. You know, nine is if one of your brothers or sisters dies. Mm-hmm. Eight is if your parents get separated. Seven mm-hmm. is if one or more of your parents go to jail for over a year. Mm. Six is fathering a child. Mm. Five is getting some kind of a visible deformity. Okay. Four is if your parents get divorced. Mm-hmm. Three is if you get married. Two is if you have an unplanned pregnancy or an abortion. Mm. And one is the death of a parent. Wow. So, so all of you listeners who are out there, if any of these things have happened to you and you're feeling stressed out, well, no wonder. Exactly. These are the things that are the toughest to deal with. Exactly. You know, right. And for those of us who have not had that happen in the mm-hmm. last year, it's like take a deep breath. Exactly. The other things we can deal with because those are the really tough things. Yeah, those are. And I, and I think. Hindsight, I think when you look at retirement, if you've been on a job for, you know, 30 years, 35 years, and then you're coming home every day, you know, or you're home every day, what are you going to do? You know, if you haven't planned it. And I think rectifying that particular stressor, some of them you can't rectify because if somebody dies or, you know, somebody's injured and, you know, that kind of thing, 
you can't. But a retirement, you can start planning. What are you going to do? Right. You, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. Or, um, you know, when you're dismissed from work for whatever the reason, you can start looking for another job or a part-time job. Mm-hmm. But we have to try to help people have um, closures and openers. So what do I do next? Yes, that mm-hmm. happened to me. So what do I do? And we need to be able to help them with the um, the persuasion part needs to be, they need to be persuading themselves to take the next steps. Because well, I like think you you're said, so right. Yeah, because part of what goes on is that the those some of the big things in there, like yes. retirement or like losing your job, right. a lot of us really identify with what we do at work. Yes. And yes. and when that goes away or when that changes for one reason or another, we kind of get lost about who we are. Yeah. You know, I, I um, when I was going to UCLA and I was um, working at a, a major hospital and I was um, working with one of the most brilliant doctors at the hospital. I mean, he was brilliant. So much so, you know, like he didn't know where the lunch wagon was because he was too busy, you know, creating things and coming up with medical things. So I, I remember when he retired or when he was forced to retire because, you know, of certain age at this particular hospital, I don't think he lasted a year. Uh. He And I after he passed, I was like, well, my goodness. And then I thought about it. What was he going home to do? Right. You know, so we have to. And the other thing, um, Lynn, what's happening is that people are living longer and they're yes. working longer. So even though they're working longer, they're, they're trying to be healthier because, you know, that's another stressor. Um, do I eat this or do I not eat this or, you know, should I go? Well, what's in what I'm eating? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that too. That's major. That's major. And we're, we're reminding our, you know, everyone, you have to really be very careful about what you're putting in your bodies. And once you learn that that's not a good thing, then you, you know, work towards something else. But um, all of all of these kinds of things are stressful. Now, I, I have people say, I don't even know what to eat. Everything's bothering me. I just, oh, I'm just going to drink water from now on. Well, you're not going to live very long right. <laughs> because you need all the other nutrients, you know, for your body. Yeah, I, so, I like water, but water alone is pretty darn boring. I'm afraid so. No matter what you put in it, after a while, it's enough's enough. You're right. So, um, so what's our next step, Lynn? Say, say we have people that are listening that are working because a lot of our our listeners do work, and some of them are um, thinking about um, what's what's next. I, I know here that we have. Um, just from you about storytelling these days and how can um, leadership, stressful situations at work, how can, or even at home, how can storytelling help us out? I know when I go speak, you know, even, you know, because I'm a pastor and if I start off with a story, I have everybody's attention for the whole 45, 50 minutes. If I try to start off with a scripture and just start, you know, going from a scripture, you see people, you know, turning their head, getting on their cell phones and all that right. kind of stuff. But if I mm-hmm. say a story, I'll say, you know what happened a few weeks ago to so-and-so? Everybody's listening. So how do our listeners, even in stressful situations, create the storytelling type of um, facade for themselves? 
Okay, and because, Loria, you already know that I'm a neuroscience nerd, so I study yes. how the brain works. Yes. And here's the wonderful thing about stories, is it's the best way to connect with another person. Mm. And, and you know this intuitively, because if somebody was, was talking to you and you felt like they were talking to you in bullet points, or as you said, they're talking, you started out your sermon with scripture. Right. People don't connect to that, and they won't pay that much attention to you. Right. But if you were to tell me a, a really good story, right. what happens is that, oh, let's say you were telling me a story about, oh, running a race, and you were telling me about you know, being at the starting line, and you're surrounded by all these other people, and you're, and you're, you're crouched down, and you can feel the, the tension in your legs, and you're mm-hmm. looking around at the, the sunshine, and there's a little bit of sweat on your upper lip, and you're just you, you anticipation you're getting ready to go, and the shot goes off, and you start running. So what happens in your brain is that all the, the motor cortex areas that would be lighting up if you were actually running the race uh-huh. are lighting up. Is your, uh-huh. It's like your body thinks you're running the race, yeah, which is cool, okay. but what's even better is that my brain, my motor cortex is lighting up as though I'm running the race with you, oh. which means our brains in that moment, because you've told me a great story, are in sync. Got it. And so if there's anything I want to suggest to you, you're more suggestible at this moment. You'll listen to me because I'm telling you a really great story. Right. Right. So that's, oh, that's why good. storytelling is so wonderful, you know, as far as as persuasion goes. Uh-huh. And you know, and at the same time, it's funny because yesterday, I speaking of stress, I had a, a friend of mine come up to me who's a teacher in the Chicago public schools, uh-huh. and a teacher that she had been working with for 15 years, fellow she loved, uh, was in a car accident, and he had gotten out of his car to help the people in the oh. other car to make sure that they were safe. Uh-huh. And and he was run down by a semi. No. And killed. No. And she said to me, how do I make sense of this? He was such a wonderful man. He deserved oh. to live and walk his daughters down the aisle. Yeah. And these, how do we make sense of things that we cannot understand? So mm. she, was in, you know, she was in stress and she was in pain. Okay. And we've all had those situations sure. where something horrible happens to us or to somebody we know. And we think, why, you know, why does this happen? And, you know, why did God let this happen? Right, right. And, and, you know, and a lot of times we go to, well, so what's the meaning for this? Mm-hmm. And she said, I just I can't find the meaning for it. And, you know, and I said to her, when this kind of stuff happens to me, and you're right, your stress goes through the roof, mm-hmm. but in the moment, the best thing I can do is not try to find meaning in it, but to really be with how I feel. If wow. I'm feeling sad about the loss of this man, then to feel sad and express my sadness. Or mm-hmm. if I'm feeling angry that here was this wonderful guy and his life was cut short, then yeah. to be angry about it. Mm-hmm. Be with the emotions rather than trying to process it. Because that's one of the things that our brains try to do. They try to figure out meaning in situations. Right, right. And sometimes you just got to let it go and feel what you feel. Right. And that's the best way to deal with the initial stress of it. Because if you you move it into a, well, you know, maybe it means this or maybe it means that, Mm -hmm. you don't get the chance to to be with those emotions and process through them. So they're always going to come back and you'll always feel kind of incomplete about it. At least that's my experience. No, no. Same, but, same thing true for you? 
Yes. I mean, but you're the expert, but you're correct. I try, you know, for me, Lynn, I try to take a step back. But but I believe that that's learned behavior. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I didn't take a step back. I, mm-hmm. I remember when I was like the other person saying, well, why did this happen? Or who who caused it? Or what? You know, and there's no real answer, you no. know, when it comes to that. However, I remember I was, you know, and I am a relatively healthy person. Okay. I don't. You know, I go to the doctor, you know, every two years for my physical and that kind of thing. And I don't think I've had a cold in five years. And, you know, I mean, so, you know, not perfect. Just I don't you know, I think I I uh, injured my knee when I was um, hiking and I wrapped it up for a couple of weeks and it was better. So but I do remember a stressful situation. And this is something else I want us to talk about. And I didn't realize I was under stress. Mm. I did not know it. You had just gotten so used to it that you weren't paying any attention anymore. That's what I believe. Because one day I was just sitting at my desk and I was working on something like I normally do. And my same everything, nothing was hurting, nothing was out of whack. And my nose started bleeding. (gasps) And I've never had a nose bleed in my life. And from that moment, that's when I did what you're saying. I just began to assess everything around me Mm -hmm. because my body was saying to me I'm not happy or whatever it would say something's not right Mm -hmm. and it wasn't it really wasn't I mean even after you know after the nosebleed and I made some adjustments and some corrections and I have not had another one (laughs) since that or, or any of that and I remember this too for my birthday my daughters usually send me to um to the, we have a Burke Williams spa out here, and I love. So I go a couple ah. times a year, and I just, oh, I just enjoy it. But I usually, I used to go, and I used to tell the, um, the technician, I used to say to her, I used to say, oh, my shoulders, my neck, oh, my gosh, I can hardly hold my head up. And she would just, you know, really work on that area, so for the next month or so, I'd be fine. This time when I went, and she said, okay. So any special areas? And I said, no, everything is fine. Ah. I had nothing to tell her. I well, was so good for you. Yeah, I was really bad. I'm telling you that. And see, that's because you start listening to your body again. And people need to do that. Mm-hmm. You know how some people just go on and on and on. And it takes a nosebleed to say, okay, wait a minute. Something's not right here. And so. <laughs> For years, I've said a cold is God's way of telling you to sit down and shut up. Okay, and that's a good way to put that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because when you start thinking about stressing and your body is talking to you, you have to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what do we need to tell our listeners? Because I, you know what, and I do know, and you can help me with this, I do know that there's some good stress. There's mm-hmm. some good stress. So let's share a little bit about that because I don't want to leave anybody you know, what are in the down in the dumps. I want them right. to know that sometimes stress is good for you. Well, you know, and frankly, if we didn't have any stress, we'd never get out of bed, would we? Ever. <laughs> you know, and we'd, and we'd never try anything new right. because that would be stressful. Exactly. It, you know, we would just continue to be a, a lump sitting at home, never doing anything and never being who we wanted to be. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And that's so the, the idea that you're right, there is some good stress because that gets us, 
to do things that we wouldn't ordinarily try. And frankly, it gets us to do the things that we know we have to do that, frankly, we don't really want to, but we ought to. Right. You right. might not want to drive your, your daughter to, you know, to uh, wherever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> an, an event after school, you know, soccer right. practice. But she needs it, and you know she does, and you'll do that. Exactly. And I find when, when I tell people when they have those kind of stresses, like, I don't want to be the one that has to take them all the time. Something like I said, well, then you need to find something to do during the time. Take your favorite book. Um, tell your girlfriend that you're going to be calling her at that time so you guys can talk for the 30 to 45 minutes. You know, use distractors so that you won't feel so um, pressured and mm-hmm. so stressful. You know, because I have a few girlfriends that I can call anytime. We can talk about anything and we both feel better. Bless those people. Yeah, I love them. I love them. I love them. And I thank God that they're in my life. I love them. And so everybody needs that kind of person in their life. Or what about a good book? Mm -hmm. A good book. And and it's true because I think one of the toughest things about stress is that we feel so isolated. And we think nobody else feels the way that I do or nobody gets what it is that I'm going through. And once you open up and talk to other people about it, you don't feel so all alone because you you quickly realize they may not have the exact same issue that you do, but they've got one that's close. Right, right. And And they can understand what you're going through. And sometimes when you're ready, they can let you know what what worked for them. Right, right. What about trust um, and stress? Do you think um, um, something, these are some of the, things that came over our internet um, when they knew we were going to be talking about this today. And so lady said that um, my husband ha- um, is infidelity and he keeps telling me that he wants me to trust him. Mm-hmm. And she says, I get stressed out every time he leaves the house because I don't know what he's going to do or what he's doing is what she said. Yeah. That's so I know hard. she's, asking, what should we say to her? Well, you know, and it's one of those things where I'm not, because I, I used to tell people what to do all the time, and I'm trying to recover from that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> but, yeah, but at the same time, so the only thing I can do is, is speak if, if that were happening to me. Okay. And there have been times, I think, probably much in, in pretty, pretty much everybody's marriage, that for one reason or another, their partner did something, and they, and they said, you know, I just I don't feel really trustworthy now. Got it. I don't, I don't feel confident that, you know, that this person really cares about me. Right. Right. And when I have faced those kinds of issues with my husband, mm-hmm. the, you know, the way I have gotten through them is you know, if we can talk about this right. to each other, then let's do that. Right. If we can't for some reason, or if it, even that doesn't feel safe, mm-hmm. then to go bring a third party in, so to right. bring That's in a, a counselor. Point. That's or bring in your pastor or somebody at the church, if that's how you feel, or their synagogue. Right. But it's one of those things where, yeah, and it's, it's a line I'm sure you've heard before, too. Hope is not a plan. Right. Come on. You know, I, I hope that he doesn't get us into debt. I hope that he's not out okay. with some other woman. You know, and, and hope doesn't get you anyplace. Right. What, what has to happen is you have to care enough about yourself to be able to start that conversation yes and then ultimately decide is you and and figure out for and for me too it was so what do i want 
Right. To really take that deep breath and say, what do I want? Do I, am I willing to stay with him mm-hmm. no matter what he does? Mm-hmm. Because there are wonderful things about him that I cannot live without. Mm. Or are there, are there, so I'm, I'm willing to accept behavior that's not exactly what I would like. Or right. no, it, it makes me feel demeaned right. and afraid and, you know, and hurt every time this happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the scoop, of course, is that nobody changes unless it becomes too painful to stay the same. Abs- and that's a good point. And, that's, you know, I would yeah, say to her. that's us and the people we hang around with. Right. right. I, w- I would say to her it, as she's listening that um, if it causes you the stress that you're saying in this note, I think you do need to bring a third person in and you need to get some counseling. Mm-hmm. And you need you, to you need to care enough about yourself absolutely to take the advice that you would give to anybody else in that situation. Right, and that's a good point. So like, yeah, be your own best friend. Absolutely, and then it, just her reaching out to us, I think, was a way of her crying for help. So I hope she's listening and she'll take it and um, make it happen for her. Yeah, yeah. Good, good energy to you and, and to other people who are facing those kinds of situations. And really, mm-hmm. spend some time thinking about what it is you really want. Yes. Because nobody, number one, nobody's going to read your mind. Right. Can't. And number two, nobody's going to change magically if they don't know that there's really something on the line. Mm-hmm. That's because, true. Yeah, it's, when there's, you know, because and chances are, and this, I've done this too, mm-hmm. you, you, you put the stake in the ground and you say, no, I will not put up with this. Mm-hmm. We do this a lot with our kids, don't we? Right. I will not put up with this. This is not okay. <laughs> and then three weeks later, they do the same thing, and we don't say, this isn't okay, and I told you it's not okay. We let it slide. Right. Because we're human beings, and what That's ends up happening is that if, you know, we all try to get away with as much as we can get away as, with. As much. I'm telling you, I was so oblivious to the fact that something was going on inside of me mm-hmm. until the nosebleed. And then I had to say, excuse me? <laughs> me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not me. And mm-hmm. I went, okay, let's see what's going on. And I quickly was able to say, okay, no more of this. And again, it, it worked out. So I don't want anybody to think that, uh, I'm immune because I wasn't. And once I found out what it was, I quickly decided that I wanted to be healthy and that I wanted to be here. <laughs> I wanted to live. Right. So, yeah, we, we all screw up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's, you know, and it's what we do. And the universe, bless it, so sends us wake-up calls regularly. Absolutely. And we just need to be aware enough to notice it's going on and then to make a better choice. Right. Got to make a better choice. Right. And you know what? This is what is another good thing about choice and about stress. We can make a choice. Mm-hmm. We can make a choice. Now, Lynn, tell us a little bit about your book. Uh, your book, Getting Others to Do What You Want. Not manipulating others to do what you want, because that, that would have been the name of it. Because I want us, and it's going to be on our website, and we want everybody to listen in on it. But tell us a couple of, about some of the chapters and um, why you would want um, our listeners to pick it up. You know, and for me, it's practical stuff about how your brain works and then what you can do about it. We like practical, Lynn. We love practical. Amen. You know, and that's, and that's one of the reasons why at the end of every chapter, I've got a workbook. 
Okay. You know, I've got, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. now that you know this stuff, here's what you do with it. Because a lot of us, I, I love reading too, and I love theory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I get that unless I actually take some action and put it into practice, I'm never going to change. I'm just like right. everybody else. That's right. So that's, that's why I, I wanted this book to actually give people things that they could do right. to make their lives better. Right, action, taking action, right. Very you know, and how I, and how I organized it as I it's funny because you're right I start with a story about Fred mm-hmm. because you know that taught me the importance of paying attention to what's going on with other people but also because the I call them the forgets the things we forget when we're stressed out and overwhelmed mm-hmm. you know and and the first one is how to get your brain back because chances are you have lost your mind just the way I did with Fred. So it's a process of the different questions that you ask yourself to move yourself from, I am so stressed out that this situation is horrible, it's unfixable, I am really screwed, there's nothing I can do about it. So the kinds of questions and the things you ask yourself to move off of that so you don't stay stuck there, because that's a painful place to be. Got it. You're right. You're right. And and then the next thing is to get clear on your goals, because nobody's going to follow you, including you, if you don't know where you're going. So spend some time figuring out, just like the the woman with the husband, spend some time figuring out what it is that you want Mm -hmm. rather than what what everybody else wants. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. once you get some clarity, you can figure out, for most of us, once we figure out what we want, we can probably get there. Right. It's just that figuring out part that we often, too often skip. That's it. And and, and and I'll hold the last point because when you said goals – we don't want people to think that this is laborious. You know, like some people no. say, oh, I got to sit down and write gold. No. <laughs> and, the, and the other thing is for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for well, you know, and, and so here's something that I do every day. Okay. And, you know, I'm a business owner, which means that I have to make phone calls to clients and to people I want to be clients. Right. And a lot of times, because I, I, as a matter of fact, this week I, I wrote in my newsletter, and I'm sure you saw it too, Leroy, yes, what to do when your phone weighs a ton, when you yeah. don't want to pick up your phone. I love that. <laughs> and, so, and so for me, it literally is sitting down and writing three goals. What do I want to have happen as a result of this phone conversation? That's good. Mm-hmm. And then I figure out, okay, so these are the things I want to have in my life. That makes me willing to pick up the phone and because I've written out that list, now I know what I want. And chances are I can say things or do things to increase the chances that that will happen. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about goals, we're not talking about, oh, my five-year plan. We're right. talking about, you know, here's, here's what I want to have happen at dinner tonight with my family. Right, right. And it's just That's kind of awesome. making you mindful about things. Because yeah. if, if we don't pay attention to what we want, once again, hope is not a plan. Exactly. And, and it's not going to come to fruition. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very good. What was your last one? I don't want, to, want them to miss that. Well, oh, and, uh, and, and that was about get communicating. And for okay. me, a lot of it is pay attention to the people that you're trying to do something with. Yeah. Because a lot of times we sit here and think, well, this is what I want to tell them, and this is what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we, we charge into a situation if we've even given it some thought. Right. We're more right. focused on what we what we want and what uh, we want to do than what the other people in the room need or want. Right. And I have to tell you, it's the the old line, and my husband will tell you I do this with him all the time. <laughs> is that I think about so what is it that he wants, and why would it be in his interest to do what I want? Oh. And that way I can present information to him in a way that makes it easier for him to say yes. Right. Right. 
then he doesn't feel like I'm jamming something down his throat and he gets to be resentful later. Right. And that's that art of persuasion kind of thing, you know, but mm-hmm. not but not manipulating. You know what I mean? Right, because, you know, like you, I'm I'm a pretty straight shooter. I, right. I, I say what I want and I'm pretty mm-hmm. clear about that once mm-hmm. I figure it out. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's... And it's one of those things where when you ask for something that you mm-hmm. know you really want and somebody says yes to you, mm-hmm. boy, it makes you feel wonderful. As it really does. To, if you're manipulating them into doing something that you want them to do, you get the same outcome, but it doesn't feel as good. It doesn't feel good. It really it, doesn't. It doesn't give them the chance to show that they care about you and will right. do what you ask them to do. So you've robbed both of you. And the other thing people have to remember, and we only have two minutes left, is that you reap what you sow. You know, if you're manipulating somebody, it's going to come back at you, and it's going to come back at you at a time when you're definitely not prepared for it. So, Lynn, please tell my listeners how they can reach you, how they can get the book, what you're, you know, I know John's putting everything up on our uh, Facebook and on our um, website, but tell us, getting others to do what you want. You know, you can either go to my website, which is an easy one. It's yourwordsmith.com, and you can find it there. Or you can go on Amazon mm-hmm. and just search for my name or getting others to do what you want. Let's make things easy. Yeah. Because I, I want more people to spend time having more of the things that they want. And these are the things that I have found that have worked for me. There's nothing in the book that I haven't already done and found it really useful. Oh, that's awesome. And that's everybody, that's Lynn, that's L-Y-N-N-E, uh, Franklin. And that's just w- like Ben. Right, just like Ben, right. And it's yourwordsmith.com. And the reason we love um, Lynn on our show is because we can always have her back and continue the conversation. That's what I like about Lynn. We just continue the conversation and keep it you know, going. You know, we just yeah, pick up where we left off and have a good time and Absolutely. share the things that, that we've learned in hopes that they'll help other people too. Yeah, because that's, I believe, and I truly believe that that's why you go through certain things, and it's to help other people. It's not even for you. Hopefully you'll learn the lesson and you'll get something out of it, but it's really to you know spread it so that other people either won't have to go through it or know that they're not the only ones that went through it. It's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, that's, that's my philosophy. No pain, no pain. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Lynn, we're out of time. But, you know, with you, it's always awesome. I told you your family, and I really, really mean that. We will be in touch really soon, my dear. I appreciate you so very much. It's been such a treat the way it always is, LaRoya. Thanks so much for having me back. Thank you, Lynn. We'll be in touch very soon. And all of you listeners, go out there and do some wonderful things to reduce your stress today. Be good to yourself. Amen. Well, that's good. Starting with me. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.